We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are going to dive into some questions now. We already do have some questions already. We're going to get through some more questions. The baseball game has not quite started yet, so we're going to we are going to go through a little bit of a Q&A here before that starts, and then you guys can go watch the baseball game. And then obviously tonight, 6 o'clock, Sean Styers and Vince will be back for uh, sort of a post-game show. So they'll be back tonight, 6 o'clock. The Irish break IB Nation sports talk show tonight is going to be a bit of a, uh, a um, post-game show for the baseball game. And so we'll have that. So with that being said, let's dive into some questions uh, that you all submitted. They can be recruiting related, team related, whatever the case may be. Just uh, throw them in there now and we'll get to them here before as we as we wrap up. So let's go to Thomas Flanagan starts things off with he says, uh, Thomas asked, do you think that Notre Dame will be able to run against Ohio State? like Michigan did last year. I would say Michigan and Ohio State, or I mean, uh, uh, excuse me, Michigan and Oregon last year were part of that conversation. So uh, they both they both ran very well on Michigan or on, on Ohio State last year. So, um, you know, I, I would like to see, I would like to see that. I think it's an important part of the game. Will they do it? Uh, it's a question mark, right? Because a lot of what we've talked about so far and what we think Notre Dame is and what Notre Dame can be and all these other aspects of it, a lot of stuff boils down to they've got to now go show it, right? And and so we can project and, and we can think what things are going to be, but they've got to show it. They've got to go out and, and show us that they can be that kind of team, that they can be that kind of you know physical football team that the talent should dictate. So do they have the talent to get to that point? Yes, no question about it. Will they get there? That remains to be seen. But um, will they be able to? Yes, they'll be able to. It's the ability is there. They just have to go prove it. And and I, I think that they will. Sean Kane says, Tyler Buckner has to be a breakout player for the offense to reach the full potential. And, and, and I meant to bring this up during the show, Sean, but you're absolutely right. And there, there's no question about it. God Country Notre Dame Barbecue, if Buckner has a breakout, and a tight end not named Michael Mayer, they will be unstoppable. We know the running game is going to work. Let, uh, let's help that thin receiver depth chart by throwing a second tight end. I, I think the receiver depth chart thing is a little overblown as it stands right now. I think they have to, they have, they're going to have to have some injuries for the receiver depth chart to be a problem. And, and maybe that could happen. 
but that could happen anywhere. I mean, they've got they've got Lindsey, they've got Davis, they've got Joe Wilkins as veterans. They've all played a lot of football. They've got Lorenzo Styles, they've got Deion Colsey, they've got Jaden Thomas, they have, and they have obviously Tobias Merriweather. That's seven guys, right? Like that's a that's a good number of receivers. Somebody that's talented is not going to be in the rotation this year, which means they can sustain a couple of injuries and still be okay. So I, I think some of this this stuff about the receiver talent or the receiver depth is a little overblown. I would like more on the depth chart. I'm not saying seven is ideal. I just think that because it is a talented seven that we don't have to get into the situation where they're thin. There's a difference between thin and, and not being where you need to be. And I think Notre Dame is in that middle spot. Now, if they have an injury or two, now they're thin. Now you get into a, a point where all you have is your rotation. That would be obviously a major concern. But as I discussed in a, in a, in a, the, addition that I did yesterday you don't have to move someone to receiver to to help with that and, and your comment you know this comment right here kind of speaks to that is Notre Dame has other things that they can go to if they want to sort of take the pressure off the receiver or to get to that point where you know let's say they are a little bit thin at receiver they can go more 12 personnel they they have different types of tight ends uh, one of the two, one of the guys that was talked about uh, during the show, when we were talking about about breakouts, a couple of different people mentioned Kane Barong as a potential breakout for Notre Dame this year. That's a good one, right? Because he brings a unique aspect to the table. Uh, we didn't talk about this player because we didn't talk about freshmen in this, but you know, you add Eli Raritan and Holden State. So, you know, and then you look at the running back situation with Chris Tyree out of the backfield. So, I think I don't think it's a situation where we need to be saying the receiving depth chart is thin at this point it's not where you need it to be but i wouldn't call it thin yet if there's some injuries then we can kind of get into that in that conversation so that's kind of where i'm at for that one vince we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. D. Troll Hunter says, sort of off topic, but I believe getting Avery Davis back on the field will be important for two reasons. One, teaching players. Agree. Two, helping the receiver group break out. Have, have we heard any whispers about his status, full go, et cetera? I haven't, Vincent. Have in all the camps you've been working, have you seen him at all running around and stuff like that? I have not seen him wandering around. I, I saw Braden Lindsay was wandering around one of the camps, you know, talking to recruits. I didn't recognize him at first with the dyed hair. Yeah, yeah but uh, I have not seen Avery walking around. But when we saw him at the end of spring, 
I mean, he was going through like 90% of the drill work and doing stuff. And so I would imagine just from a progression standpoint from there that he's probably full go at this point. It's not like they're hitting, they're not doing anything like that. So I would imagine he's full go with it. I mean, again, I'm speculating based on what I saw during the spring and towards the end of spring. But if he has progressed naturally from that point until now, he's probably doing everything that summer requires you to do. And I would have no hesitation saying that he would be ready for fall practice. Yeah, I, I think the timing of his injury, he got hurt. <clears throat> it was it, it was against Navy, correct? So it was like at the end of October. Yeah, it was October. I remember it was October, but that's... yeah, I, I think it was the last Saturday of October. Navy game. No, it was the first Saturday of November. So it was a week later. It was a November sixth game. Okay. okay. So that I mean, September puts him a full ten months. You know, basically ten months out from surgery, at least nine months out from surgery, and that's now more of a six to eight month thing now, Vince. Yeah, right? Know, you know, crazy. so yeah, yeah, it really is, and so. Obviously, spring wasn't going to happen. Notre Dame just went one, two, three in the first, by the way. Um, just mowed down the, the first three hitters. So, top of the first, Texas put them down, Texas and one, two, three. So, yeah, to Vince, to your point, though, is he's going to be more than a month past that sort of plan. I think the other thing, too, because you don't count on Avery being a vertical player all the time, I mean, he's made a couple big plays, like, his two biggest plays of his career for the most for you know were two of the three biggest plays of his career were big plays, right? He had the long play against Clemson and then of course the touchdown against Purdue. But that's well, not his was, was was more that's why I said game. two of three. Oh, yeah, I, I missed I yeah. So I, I the first thing I said the two biggest plays, and then I was yeah. thinking of Purdue and Clemson, but then I was like, Well, that touchdown that came after the one, so I said two of three. I feel two like the, the three, touchdown again was more his game like he found he's kind of that's found an point. area that's my you know, point yeah. you don't need Avery to be a stretch the field guy that's not even though he's had a couple big plays like that that's not what he does snap after snap after snap after snap it's more work the crosses work openings find out get yourself open on option routes and I and I think that's if he was a speed guy like put it like this if Avery Davis and Braden Lindsay were hurt and both had ACL injuries on the same exact day I'd be a lot more confident that Avery Davis is going to be back to his game than I would be back to to Braden Lindsay. That's fair. Just because of the nature of 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 the time it takes for a speed guy per se to get back to full speed and strength compared to a shifty athletic guy, and so that's why I feel like Avery will be fine. It's a very good question. Very yeah. good question. Agreed. Because he's a very important player. I mean, very leadership wise. But even beyond the leadership, I mean, look, leadership only takes you so far, right? Can we be honest about that? Leadership doesn't catch passes. Leadership doesn't run routes. Leadership doesn't get open. Leadership is important, but you got to be a player. You got to be able to make plays in order to really have that big impact. And I think that's what he's going to bring to the table. Agreed. Sean Kane is one of the people that asked about Kane Barong. If Kane Barong stays healthy, then I think he will be a second tight end and have a breakout year. I could see it. I could see it. And, and I think especially if there is concern about the receiving core, whether it's depth or let's just say guys aren't playing well. I mean, that's the bigger concern for me at receiver. It's not the numbers. It's, will all those guys play well? Sure. Will they say healthy? Right. You may have seven, eight guys on scholarship, but if only four of them are good enough to play for you, then that's more of a concern. So I don't think it's so much uh, numbers for me, Vince, as, as it is proven they got to prove yeah. it to me. I think the numbers are there, but the proven nature of the of the numbers is what is a greater concern for me. And I think Kane Barron could be one of those guys, but he's also unproven, right? He also has a lot to prove for Notre Dame as well. 
I love this from Jonathan Fish. IB Nation, happy to say I received some IB gear for Father's Day. We'll be rocking that in Ohio State country, visiting oh, families soon. Brave but we appreciate Dig, it. Hey, I rock IB or Notre Dame love gear every time I go to Ohio to visit family. Every single time. I even put on my Notre Dame like sweats. I mean, I, I get full obnoxious Notre Dame fan when I go to my family, see my family. It was awesome. Not obnoxious like this, but like just, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of going to that to that level. That's so awesome. definitely – Definitely feel your support that fully support you fully on rocking the IB gear when you go to Ohio. So it's funny. We, there was somebody on the message board the other day that was talking about leadoff runner just got on. Um, so th- he was talking about, he was at a Cubs game and they started talking about Notre Dame and they got to talk about IB nation and just like two IB nation members connected it at, at Wrigley. Oh, that was pretty I, saw cool. that. I did see that yeah, actually. That's pretty yeah, cool. That was, cool. That was real cool. Yeah. And uh, YouTube, uh, Salty Virginia Peanuts, is this Billy Shrouth on schedule with his injury rehab? And if so, do you feel like he is likely to play this fall? I believe he's on schedule to rehab. I think he'll be fine there. Uh, as far as playing this year, maybe. Maybe it's like a backup player. Like, if if he plays, Vince, to me, it'd be more of the he's going to play three, four games off the bench and mop up duty just to right. get some experience but save a red shirt. Sure. I think I don't think there's any reason to play him unless he's starting for you, right? Because right. be you know, for, just from a pure depth standpoint, you've got the starters and 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 Jarrett Patterson potentially and and Josh Lug, or you would have Andrew Gustafic and Josh Lug uh, as your starters, depending on what they want to do with center. We believe that they're going to move Jarrett Patterson to start C. Corral. If that's true, you have you have Andrew Gustafic as, as a guy that could play there. Michael Carmody got moved inside. He could play center. He could play guard. You know, Josh, you know, there's there's experience there, right? There's guys there. Pat Coogan comes back. He'll be a junior this year. There's plenty of guys to me that can play inside. Zeke Carell could move over if you need him to. There's plenty of guys there. For me, it's more about I want to see, I want to see this team. You know, this this get those guys some playing time. You know, get Ty Chan three four games of mop up duty. Get get that for him, and then you kind of take that next step of, okay, now they can go out and and get him some snaps for next year, right? right. That's going to be the key. Absolutely. Yeah. If he's not the starter, I wouldn't worry right. about it. He, he let him heal properly. Let him be okay. Right. If, he, if he breaks into the two deep, great. But I am serious. Yeah. I'm not letting him get more right. than four games. And we've said this before. There's a difference between how you evaluate linemen and skill players. Absolutely correct. Most skill players are not five-year guys. Linemen still, you see a lot of that. You know I mean, even Quentin Nelson was a four-year player. McGlinchey was a five-year player. Eichenberg was a five-year player. Hainsey would have been a five-year player if, you know, that option had been there. He technically it did because he had the COVID year, but he'd been a four-year starter, basically. You know, and that that's kind of my point right. with with that whole thing. So um, that's 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 kind of where I'm at with with that. Toe Jam, nineteen ninety-two. Was Tommy not able to run any misdirection plays in twenty-one due to a relatively inexperienced O line? And Madden stuck in the mud. And am I am I imagining that we that and do we expect more misdirection this year? Number one, uh, throw out that whole inexperienced offensive line stuff, please. That was not <laughs> the reason that Notre Dame's offensive line struggled last year. As I said before, Notre Dame had more career starts coming back last year on their offensive line than Wake Forest had, and Wake Forest had a much better running game than Notre Dame had last year, despite the fact they had lost flipping Kenny Walker to Michigan State. Right. So, I mean, you know, come on. And and the talent is even close, in my opinion. That was a coaching problem. To your point, however, 
No, you do not. You're not imagining that. They would try to run off misdirection vents early in the year, and it just would get blown up. Yeah. There's two problems with it. Number one, they just the, – the, the so when you're running misdirection, there's a call side and a pull side, right? And so the call side is that's the direction the ball is going. There's like down blocks, maybe a kick out, but usually like some sort of double team happening. The pull side is you're going to have a guard or a tackle or a guard and a tackle or a guard and a – tight end or a tackle in a tight end. Notre Dame system is is normally a, a, a GT pull, which is a guard and tackle backside, or they'll go guard tight end. They'll run both of those. So one guy comes around, the guard will come around and kick out the edge. And then the, the, the so he's sort of a kick out blocker. And then the other guy comes and he's going to wrap inside and he's going to pull inside. That's kind of their, their misdirection play, their counter play, so to speak. And so it was a big play for them in 2021 or two, excuse me, 2020, it's been a big play for them in the past, but last year was not because what was happening, Vince, is on the pull side or on the on the call side, they were getting no movement. I mean, the big key to to being successful with play, with with that type of play, guys Vince, out of the way, is you have to get movement to the call side. Absolutely. And so I'm I'm actually if you and if you want an example, actually, you know what, Vince, I'm actually going to pull pull it up here Great. just. Just Do give it. me a second. I'm going to show an example of this here real quick from a play from Chris Tyree, by the way. So just see impromptu film session. So let me, let me pull this up here real quick. This might get us demonetized, but you know what? Forget it. I don't care because um, people need to see this. Okay. So here's this play right here. So what you're going to see is on this play is the tight end right here. I believe this is Michael Mayer. And then the guard here, and, and that is Tommy Kramer, are going to pull around to the left. So on this particular play, the call side is the left, right? The pull side is the right. Well, what you're going to see here on this particular play, Vince, is you're going to see really good movement. Look how far down the field the guard and tackle are on this play. You get a really nice combo block there from Jarrett Patterson, and I believe that's uh, Dylan Gibbons. Because if you remember, this was when Liam Meikenberg had been knocked out of the game with the eye. And they brought Dylan Gibbons in the left guard and bumped Aaron Banks out to tackle. So Dylan Gibbons and Jared Patterson here get really nice double team. Look how far down the field they're engaging this block. They are at least two to three yards each down the field. Okay. So that's the push. What was happening last year is they were getting no push or they were getting knocked back. And so because they got a push, look at this clean angle that Tommy Kramer has. Very clean. He can come down. There's nobody. Nobody bothered him. He comes down, he kicks out the end, and then Michael Mayer makes a really clean wrap around to get up and pull, and there's like there's just nobody to block at that's first. How you, that's how you draw it up right that's, there. Right. That's great push. What was happening last year is when you see this part by Tommy Kramer, he was getting knocked back as, as the puller, that position, because the front the call side was getting blown off the ball. They're getting knocked back into the pullers. And so it really made the counter stuff ineffective. They weren't getting any kind of movement at the line of scrimmage. And then, of course, when you have a back like Chris Tyree, this patience allows him, he's going to let it develop. And then there you go. You see that burst and touchdown. So when, when you see stuff like that from the offensive line last year, actually, oh, hold on a second. They, this is an even better right. angle. Not that they'd shown the tight angle on this. You can really look at that hole. Look at the movement. Look at the hole. Aaron Banks doesn't even have – like Aaron Banks doesn't even really block anybody hardly. He just gets in a guy's way. One cut for Chris Tyree. Right. Boom. And then look there. at that. Bam. That This is a counter play. Well, if you're not getting that movement, and he does a really nice job stretching it out because this play can bounce depending mm -hmm. on. So if if this defender right here comes really shallow down 
then what Tommy Kramer will do, he'll execute what's called a log block. Do they still call it that, Vince? A log? He did. He did. What he'll do. So that means he'll if that guy squeezes in and he comes and he attacks Tommy Reese's upfield or Tommy Kramer's upfield shoulders on this end to be his right shoulder, then he will actually hit him on that shoulder and then wrap around him. And then it's up to Michael Mayer and the running back to follow him outside. Right. To so so the puller and will go outside and then Chris Tyree will follow him. So Chris Tyree is on a good track here to potentially go outside. He reads the blocks, then bam, he gets vertical and you're off to the races. But this is great movement here. And this is what a back like Chris Tyree can do when you block properly. And now a lot of guys could have ran through that, but a guy like him is going to turn that into a touchdown. And so that's that misdirection is is big time. You know, things like buck sweep that we've seen in the past that were really successful. Those things were not effective last year because you just got no movement at the line of scrimmage at all, like none. Technically, just the whole style of play, the way they were taught, all of it was just, it's just bad. And so, with with this improved blocking, in my opinion, uh, you know, it, it's going to make it. It's going it, it makes it a lot harder to get the necessary call side movement to be effective running in misdirection. Vince, you know this as an offensive coordinator when you were doing it back in the day. If your offensive lines get knocked back, you cannot run misdirection. You can't. Nope. Nope. You're just gonna. I mean, if anything. <laughs> You're just going to run stretch all day because that's exactly. at least one where maybe you can get a crease somewhere or, or, or whatever. Right. You can't pull if the play side is not getting movement up. You can't pull because then now you've got a log jam. If, if those guys are getting no movement or if they're getting even pushed back, which was the case an awful lot, if you get pushed back on the play side, then now you've got these guys pulling and they're just running into their own guy. I mean, it looks like the bad news bears and mm-hmm. it's just ugly. It gets all jammed up and then. I mean, not unlike uh, what was it? Was it North Carolina that um, uh, Kyron Chris Williams Tyree had, run or uh, Car- Kyron Williams, Williams run? Yeah, Williams, yeah. like everything got jammed up. It was a, right. It was he got mess. hit like three, four yards in the backfield. It was a huge mess because guys were running into each other. It was a disaster, and he happened to be able to break that outside. That's what right. a really good back can do for you, but especially his not type how, of back. Right, you draw it up. Right. <laughs> you know, no. He was running to the right, got hit four or five yards behind the line of scrimmage, had to break that tackle, then cut all the way back, had to stiff arm a dude in the backfield. Exactly. And then his blockers did a great job of downfield blocking. And that's the other thing, too, is you look at the downfield block by Javon McKinley on that play. And Michael Mayer had a great downfield block. I think Avery Davis – was it Avery Davis that had also had a good downfield block against North Carolina? I forget who the other one was. might have been Kevin yeah, Austin. Mayer is yeah. just, like, leading the, the train down the field. I mean, that's also a big part of it. Uh, you know, that's a that's an important piece to it as yeah. well. There's no question about it. Let's get to another question here as we wrap this up. Nothing personal says all this recruit all this recruiting momentum makes us forget about the talent we already have. Tyree and Lindsay have potential to be great players, but haven't been had proper opportunities due to coaching or injuries. I think that's very fair, Vince. Very I think fair. It's a very fair assessment of the current situation. Very Gavin fair. KGD says. My question is, you were a receiver's coach, so how much of it – and we both were, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that um, – yeah, that's both of us. You, my question is, you were a receiver's coach. How much of a difference – and this is a referring to Braden Lindsay. This was asked, I believe, during the, the, the portion of the show where, where we were talking about Braden Lindsay events. But the question is, uh, how much of a difference did it make for a speed guy to finally have an offseason to full-on train instead of spending the last few offseasons rehabbing? Which is, I think, a great point. 
yeah. a no. great point relative to Braden Lindsay, who's who hasn't had a healthy offseason in a couple right. years. It's huge. It's no, I mean, from a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint, all of the above. I mean, he's got he his confidence is at an all-time high, and it's because of his physical ability and it, it, it and because of the way he's being coached. All mm-hmm. of those things you need all of it to come together in order to be an effective D1 athlete, the mental mm-hmm. and the physical. And when you're not having to rehab, which is just as much mental as it is physical, when you're not having to deal with that, you can continue on with your confidence level that he clearly displayed in the spring, and you can build on it all offseason. And that's what he's doing. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, walking around camp, he was oozing confidence. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a positive way. He was oozing confidence, talking to guys and – you know, being back on campus and all these different things, you can build on that all summer long and then take that into fall camp. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. Mm -hmm. But even more importantly for me as a coaching nerd, I still believe the most important thing is being able to go through all the drills and go through the work and get their work in where you're not – because, like, when you're coming back from an injury, a lot of your physical exertion is spent on rehab stuff. Whereas now his physical exertion is spent on route running, releases – Top end, stem, starts, all that stuff. All the technical stuff Playing that he needs one on work ones. On. Right. Yeah. Right. It's a big part of it. And if Braden takes this craft seriously this offseason, I really believe he's going to have a breakout season yes. for Notre Dame this year. No question about it. Last question. I believe right now this is the last question, which we appreciate. We got one from Anthony Oz. Do you think Notre Dame's secondary can contain Ohio State's wide receivers? Thanks. Can they? Sure. Will they? Much different question. (laughs) They're not going to do it alone, right? That's the first thing. They're not going to do it alone. Uh, It's going to require a pass rush. They're going to have to be able to get after the quarterback. They're going to have to be able to to throw off the timing. They're going to have to try to create inefficiency. That means incompletions. That means overthrows. That means, I mean, if if you're really rushing the quarterback, sometimes there's going to be times where you actually get beat, but the quarterback can't plant his feet, so he underthrows it or he overthrows it or his accuracy is not where it needs to be, and you end up, you end up having a, a pretty lucky break secondary wise, but it was be, the lucky break came because you were able to get pressure with your front seven. And I think that's a very important yeah. uh, piece of this whole thing is you've got to be able to, you've got to be able to do that. I, I think if you go back and like, look at Northwest, I mean, Brandon Joseph was part of this kind of game in, in 2017. I mean, they completely threw off the timing of, of the Ohio state pass catchers in 2019 or 2020 in the big 10 title game. Justin Fields went 12 of 27 for 114 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Now he bounced back against Clemson with six touchdowns. But in that game, Northwestern did a very nice job of mixing up their coverages, mixing up their looks, kind of keeping Justin Fields off balance. You know, Northwestern was able to do a decent job getting pressure in that game, and he just never got comfortable. Now, Northwestern had a really good secondary that year. I mean, they had Brandon Joseph. Uh, the cornerback they had was a first-round pick. You know, so I mean, so they had talent, and I think Notre Dame's talent is going to be comparable to that one. I think Cam Hart is comparable to the corner that they had, whose name escapes me for some reason. I mean, he's a kid that Notre Dame recruited. I cannot believe that I cannot remember uh, his name. He's Greg Newsom. I was going to, I kept wanting to say Greg Jennings for some reason. Greg Newsom, first round pick, obviously that year was a, was a really good football player. Did and and so, you know, I just I I, I look at it and say it can be done. Other teams have done it. It's not easy, right? It's going to be hard, and you're Absolutely. not doing it alone. And you're not, and you're going to right. mix up looks, and you're going to. I mean, you can't just match up with them like you're in the backyard, go one on one all the time. That's obviously right. not going no. to work. So. If you think you're going to do that, if like if if Notre Dame tries to play Ohio State 
like they played Oklahoma State, they'll give up 500 passing yards. Yes, I'm. I mean, because you're asking, you're putting your players in a in a situation that's that's a coaching mistake. Is Clarence Lewis? If Clarence Lewis has a breakout year for Notre Dame, he's still not as good as Jackson Smith and Jigba. Sure, he's still not as good, in my opinion, as as Marvin Harrison Jr. He's not. So if you're going to say, hey, even though you're not as good, we're going to ask you to play cover one all day against those guys, that's not a that's not a Clarence Lewis problem. That's a coaching problem. That's an Al Golden, yes. Mike Mickens, Marcus Freeman, and anybody else affiliated with that decision-making. Now, you're going to do sure. it at times, right? But if you're just going to leave him out on an island all day against those guys, then that's a you problem. Yes. And that's what they did against Oklahoma State. They just kept leaving him out on an island with no help, even though it was clear he couldn't, he couldn't win that matchup. And so – I think to me, Vince, that's where you get in a situation where that's you said you got to mix up the looks, yes. right? Make the quarterback think you're getting zone or man and drop to zone, or make the corner quarterback think you're playing off and then you roll. You know, you run a sky coverage or cover two or whatever the case Bring may be. Corner fire, right? I mean, just do all types of stuff, right? Leave it all out there, man. Right. Like <laughs> show smoke. I mean, show yeah. show mass blitz and smoke, right? Or, right? or or then blitz from distance and bring your safeties. But you're going to have to do that now. The result is going to be they're going to catch you a couple times for big plays. Sure. So it's going to happen. They're a good team. But they're going to get you for big plays anyway. Right. You might as well at least do things defensively that allow you to maybe make some mistakes. Because the only way to stop Ohio State is to force them to, into mistakes. Right. You're not going to just destroy them at the line. They can't run. They can't throw. All that kind of stuff. That's not how it works, as we pointed out. When they lose, it's like 24 points, 27 points. They don't lose games. Like I think the last time they got blown out where they just didn't score at all was what? The Clemson game in the playoff in 2016? Right. Well, this is a different offense than that yeah, offense. No that was this isn't Tim Beck and and uh, and Ed Warner running the offense anymore. Right. This is this is much much better coach <laughs> unit than that group was. And so the point is is that it has to be about doing things to create mistakes, creating inefficiency. Get them in third and long because if you get them in third and long, that's where you have success. You know, do things to to create confusion. Get they they got to get negatives. Right. Yeah. They've got to negatives or tackles for loss and sacks turnovers. They've got to be able to create some some zeros, incompletions, stuffs at the line, things like that. And they've got to try as best they can to get Ohio State into third down. First of all, the hardest thing a lot of teams have, Vince, is even getting Ohio State into third down. Right. Right? you got to get them into third down. And then when you do get them into third down, you've got to make sure that those down and distances are longer situations where they – because third and four for Ohio State is a balanced down. They will run at you with Travion Henderson and third and four. Absolutely. They, they will. I would. <laughs> You've got to get them into third and six and longer, third and seven and longer. Those are going to be some of the keys for Notre Dame because uh, they are a very good third down team, uh, but you've got to make sure that you're creating an efficiency. So, like, for example, last year in the three games that Ohio State had the most third down opportunities, which games were they? Oregon, Michigan, Nebraska. Three worst games of your offensive. Yep, they scored exactly. 28 against Oregon. They scored 27 against Michigan. They scored 26 against Nebraska. The only three times all the only three times all year that they scored under 30 points were the three games they had the most third down opportunities. And their success in those games wasn't good either. 40% against Oregon, 44% against Michigan, 47% against Nebraska. The only other competitive game they had all year was against Penn State. That happened to be the fourth most third down game. And it was the and the only other game that they were one of the only other games they were held under 50% in third down was one of the few. And so that's where I look at Vince and say, if you can get them into third down in some third and longer longish situations, that's where you're going to be able to have success against this Ohio state football team offensively. 
and that's going to be a key for Notre Dame. And that, and that's your secondary will have success, right? But it's having success as part of a bigger group, and I think that's going to be the part of it. We did have a fo- kind of a follow up question from Stephen Robinson: Which Notre Dame unit are you most confident in against Ohio State and least confident? Defensive line would be most most confident in the defensive line for sure. I would say often I'm, I'm going to, that's interesting. Oh, so let's go one on each side, Vince. What most confident on oh, okay. defense D line. Well, not, and then offensive, it's the trenches for me on both sides of the ball. Yes. The ones I'm most confident. Yes. In. No question. And and I'm going to throw tight end in with the receivers in, in that. Okay. Ooh. Le- all right. Least confident on defense. I mean, look until proven otherwise, it's, it's going to be the secondary yeah. for me. Yeah. Just because of the matchup. Not, I think the secondary is better than people give it credit for, but the matchup is tough. That's yeah. a really tough matchup. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And then on the other side of the ball, I mean, it's the, it's still the backfield for me. You know, just because okay. they got to, they you know, they got to be healthy. Include, that include the quarterback. Or? That's what I say. Backfield, quarterback, okay. and running back. Just making yep. sure. Yep. You know, the the backfield is if you don't handle the environment correctly, right? If you don't handle the the noise, and this is when we've seen this happen in Notre Dame. I mean, Brian Kelly did a woeful job getting his teams ready to play for us. Like I remember him talking after the Georgia game, like they were surprised at how loud it was. Why? How? How? how, how? <laughs> Why how? is that a big How's surprise? Yeah. You know, like they weren't prepared for having to go yeah. to silent calls. Remember that when he was explaining, like, well, we had to switch to silent call. How how, do, how are you not prepared for that already? To go into an SEC. It was a right. night game too, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Against, yes. <laughs> it's a top team you know, in the country. Yeah. So dumb. But yeah. you've got to be prepared for the environment. Right. I, I highly doubt a staff with several former Ohio State players on it is going to not, not think have you about prepared. how yeah. loud it is exactly. at a night game. I, right. I don't think that's an issue. But – when you have mistakes like that, timing mistakes, snap mistakes, what can happen is quarterback mistakes and, and mesh mistakes in the backfield. Yes. And when those things happen, you can really get into some bad situations and, with and, fumbles and turnovers and things like that. And people uh, need to understand how crucial the mesh is in an offense that they're going to want to run yeah. with Tyler Buckner. Right. It is. You've got to rep it, rep right. it, rep it like crazy until mm-hmm. you can do it in your sleep. And even when you do that, you can still have issues with the mesh. You cannot stress it enough of how important that is. And if they can do it cleanly, how amazing that is, to be honest with you. Because it takes so much work to just feel it out and for the running back not to squeeze too early and the the quarterback not to pull too early. I mean, all of those different things. It's tough, man. The mesh is is some serious business. That's going to do it for today's show, Vince, because I just keep looking over at the baseball game. <laughs> so they just allowed a leadoff double. Notre Dame did in the top of the second. They got a runner on in the first to lead off the bottom of the first and left them stranded. Top of the second, a Texas a leads off with a double down the line. Next guy walks, so there's two on, nobody out. They just got out of it with not giving up a run. So um, got to get this time. thing cleaned up here a little bit. So anyway – that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Thank you so much. Tonight, 6 p.m., Vince will be back with Sean Styers. They're going to have sort of a post-game show yeah. after the game. Uh, they're going to talk about the baseball game and kind of what's next. If they lose tonight, they're done, right? But for those that don't understand how college baseball works, Notre Dame can still win a championship, the national championship. They just got to win out. It's a double elimination tournament. Right. And so they've got to win tonight, tomorrow, and Thursday. To the so they series. Have to, right. They have right. to beat Texas A&M tonight. Then they'd have to beat Oklahoma twice to then get to the college world series. Now, once they get to the championship round, it's, it's, it, everything gets raced. It's a best right. of three. It's right. A best so of you have to wait two. Right. Whoever comes out of that. 
So if they can win the next three nights, then they can still play for championship. Obviously, it's going to be tough. So they'll talk about tonight. So they'll talk about the game and then what's next, either who you know the Oklahoma matchup tomorrow or yeah. you know, the season. And, you know. yeah, I think we're going to have a special guest as well. So stay right. tuned. Isn't it a former, former Notre Dame coach? Right? Is, Baseball yeah. coach? Yeah. Yep. So 6 o'clock tonight, that's why you got to hit that notification. But, hey, we passed 10,000 subscribers yesterday, everybody. I was so excited. Vince texted me during his show last <laughs> night with Sean. He was so fired up about it. We appreciate all of you so, so very much and uh, very, very excited about that. And it's 10 down, 10 to go, right? I mean, now that we, we enjoyed it for like a day, right? 24 hour rule. Now it's next to the 10, the next 10,000. So make sure you uh, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. And of course, as always go Irish. Thanks everybody for joining us on the Irish breakdown podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.